Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right, you want to turn with me over to Matthew uh, chapter 22. We're continuing on our series in the parables. We're looking at verses 1 through 14 this morning. The parable of the, the wedding feast or an invitation to celebration. The parables that Jesus told as the greatest teacher ever, the greatest storyteller ever, the parables Jesus gives give us in the, in the Word of God are to gi- give us an opportunity to reflect and to provoke us to a response towards the Lord. So as, as we look at these parables, keep that in mind. It's, it's a moment for us as we hear the story to, to, to pause for reflection of, of, God, what are you saying to me? And then by the grace of God, to move us closer and towards the Lord. So it's a moment of reflection and to provoke a movement towards the Lord. Last week, we talked about prayer and a friend at midnight. And Jesus ends the parable with, with saying, and how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We see a picture of this wonderful gracious, merciful Father who is eager, who is eager to pour out blessing on His children, eager to give the Holy Spirit to all who ask. Now, this morning, as we turn over to Matthew 22, I want to just give us a brief context to when Jesus spoke this parable. So, in the last part of Matthew chapter 21, we see that Jesus is is dialoguing with the Pharisees and with the chief priests. These were the religious leaders of the day. These are the, the guys who are in charge of the synagogue or what we'd think of, you know, maybe a church. These guys are in control. They're the ones calling the shots. They're the ones who are the shepherds, the people who are to be taking care of God's people. And what we read about the, the chief priests and the Pharisees is that they're seeking to arrest Jesus because, in secret because they were afraid of the people. They, had, they did not like the things Jesus was saying. They did not like the things Jesus was doing, not like the claims that he was making, the promises that he was giving. They didn't like any of it. They just wanted to get rid of Jesus any way that they could. So that's at the last part of chapter 21. And then immediately preceding what we're, what we're read this morning is in 22 verse 15, is that we read about the Pharisees again plotting to trip Jesus up. They're plotting against Jesus to trap him. So that's our context, right? It's, the bookends of this parable are the Pharisees and the religious leaders trying to trap Jesus, trying to, to minimize him, to, to completely get rid of him, to figure a way that he, they can shut him up for good. So that's where we're at this morning. All right, chapter 22, verses, starting in verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. So, the first thing we see here is the king having a wedding feast for the prince. And What they would have done in this day and age is that they would first send out, really, a save the date. 
So the servants would go out and tell everyone, hey, here's the deal. We're going to have a big party for the prince. It's going to be in three weeks. Please just, you know, in a sense, mark it on your calendars, put it in your phone, whatever you need to do to save the date for, the, for this huge party that we're going to have. And then we're going to let you know when, when, the day of when the party's going to take place. So they sent out to save the date. And even with the save the date, immediately there's a response to the invitation, like, uh, we don't want to be part of that, just so you know. Uh, we don't want anything to do with that. Moving on to verse 4. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. So the second invitation goes out, right? There's this, and he, he sweetens the deal here, right? The first invitation, hey, we're going to have a feast. The second invitation goes out. He says, look, by the way, on the menu, we've got steak, right? This is not a cake and punch reception after the wedding in the basement of the church, right? This is a full-blown, we're having steak, man, it's the best cuts of meat, man, it's going to be awesome. This is going to be an amazing feast like you have never experienced before. See, at this day and age, they're not eating meat every day. They can't go to McDonald's and buy a hamburger for 99 cents. Meat was an unbelievable delicacy. And especially for an area like this where it was very poor, having meat was only at certain times of the year. So maybe a few times a year, you really got a chance to eat meat. So this was an unbelievable invitation, right? This is a party like, man, they're going to party like it's 33 AD, okay? This is going to be awesome. So he sends out the invitation. He sweetens the deal. Look, guys, we've We've, we've got all the meat ready, steak. I mean, we're going to eat like kings. It's going to be awesome. Now, we get over to verse 5. So now we hear the other response to the second invitation. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business. Now, the story takes this violent twist here in this verse 6. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. Right? So it's not just that we don't want to go to your, your, son's, your son's party, right? We've got other things going on. We've got, got a farm to take care of, business to tend to. It's not that we're, just, we're not going to show up or we're going to RSVP. No, we can't make it. I'm so sorry. We're actually going to take, it takes this violent, murderous twist in the story where the people actually say, no, we don't, we're not just going to show up, we're going to murder the servants who are bringing the invitation, right? We're going to, we, we, we hate the, the king this much that even the, the thought of an invitation to go to the party sets us in a, in a violent rage. So we're going to, we're going to treat the servants shamefully, we're going to we're going to bring shame upon them and ultimately bring shame upon the king. We're going to try to do that, but we're going to then murder his servants. Verse 7, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. 
Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many, as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. The king does not ignore does not ignore the murderers who murdered his servants. He doesn't just say, oh, that's, that's okay, just don't do it again, I'll send out another. No, he deals with the murderers. Verse 11, But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he, the man, was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. So he finds a guy at the party, at the wedding feast. He showed up, he's heard the invitation. He gets there, and the king says, where's your wedding garment? Where's the appropriate attire? And it says the guy was speechless. Another way of saying that is he he had no excuse. He knew he was going to the party. He knew he'd been invited. He knew what was expected of him to be at the party. And when he was called out by, he said, he's got nothing to say. Speechless. I wanted to share with us a few thoughts for us this morning on this parable. First one is this. There is an urgency, there is an urgency of response because judgment is at the door. We've talked about this in other parables, and I don't want to belabor this point, but there is an urgency of response. Can you, can you hear the voice of Jesus? He's speaking to the, the leaders and he's speaking to the people and he's, he's not just saying this as a, as a smackdown to them like, hey man, you guys missed it. Man, you are in big trouble. Too bad for you. There's no hope. You want, I want you to hear the voice of Jesus. He is, he's, he's urging the people to respond to him. He's not saying this because there's no hope for them. There is hope. Jesus is speaking to these people saying, I want you to respond to the invitation. There is judgment that is coming. Look, I'm not going to play soft with you guys. I'm going to give it to you straight. Please hear my voice. Respond to the invitation that I am offering to you. Man, there is a feast waiting for you. There is an urgency of this response. I want you to hear my voice and respond to it. Years and years and years ago, I was sitting in a class at Purdue. Purdue, is it, is it North What's Purdue now? Is it Northwest. Northwest? Purdue Northwest, right? At the time, it was Purdue Calumet. Sitting in a class at Purdue Calumet, just having a normal class period. It's a, like a Friday morning or something. And all of a sudden, someone bursts into the classroom. Another student says, there's been a bomb threat, and there's a bomb in this building, Right? Now, when someone does that, you have, there has to be a response. That's not one of those statements that you just kind of sit back and say, yeah, I'll let me think about that one, right? Now, 
you've got a number of options at that point, right? You could kind of, the teacher can maybe gather the class around and say, hey, look, there's been a bomb threat. It's probably a student who didn't want to take a test. I mean, more than likely, it's, you know, there's, there's been hundreds of bomb threats here at the school. There's never, there's never been a bomb that's went off, so we're probably okay. Let's go on, right? That'd be one response. The other response would be to gather all your stuff as fast as you can and hit the door. Because not only are you afraid for your life, but you get to get out of class, right? So, I mean, you're out of there. Well, we chose the second option, right? We just gathered our stuff and we just forget what the teacher's saying. We're getting out of this place as fast as we can. In the same way, this statement that Jesus is giving to the, the leaders and the people, it demands a response. And not a response of, let me get to that later. Let me get to that tomorrow. Let me think about it. Maybe that's for me. Maybe it's not. I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that one. Because as you know as well as I do, that that waiting, we continue to wait, and we continue to put it off, and we give it another day, and we think about it a little longer, and there, is, there will never be a response. That's the story of so many of our lives. There is an urgency of response because judgment is at the door. Judgment is at the door. There's an urgency of response. He's Christ is urging us, respond. I don't want you to experience the judgment. I want you to respond to me. Number two, we cannot have the kingdom of God, we can have the life of Christ, the purposes of God for our lives on our own terms, right? This guy shows up to the, to the, to the, the wedding feast. I mean, there's appropriate attire for this. It would be like someone showing up to a funeral in flip-flops and a cut-off t-shirt, right? I mean, you could technically do that, but it would be unbelievably disrespectful. It would be unbelievably disrespectful to the family, to the person. It, in some ways, it wouldn't be welcome, probably, depending on the situation of, of what took place. You may get asked to leave, as a matter of fact, because it's inappropriate. It's not what we do. It's not the way that we, we, we live our lives and the way we, we show respect and honor to, the, to the, the, the deceased and to the family. This guy shows up. He's not, he just comes the way he is, whether he's just getting off of work and shows up messy and dirty or whatever. He shows up in his own way with his own clothes, the way that he wants to show up. And Jesus is saying we cannot have the kingdom of God on our own terms. See, there's one way to the Father. It is through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. There's no plan B. There's no there's no clauses in that. There's no, there's no way to, to get around that. That is the only way. It's through Jesus Christ. Not on our own terms, not with our own plans, not in our own timetable. It's through Christ alone. He has paid the way for you and I. That all that Christ has accomplished for us in his life and his death on the cross 
in his resurrection, he invites us now to trust in him for the full forgiveness of our sins and the welcome into his family and the removal of our shame and to be restored with honor because Christ is honorable and gives us honor. That is what Christ Jesus offers and extends in an invitation to each one of us. And that's the invitation, the extension he's giving to the the people of that day as well. Trust me. Believe me. Respond to me. Because there is life there. There is hope there. There is a way forward there. The only way is through Christ and Christ alone. That is the only way. Not on our own terms. Not with our own ways. It's through Christ alone. Third, it's the last point. I feel this is the most important point. As I was praying through this, I felt the Lord. This is for us. We need to hear this as a church. That you don't don't have to murder a servant to miss God's invitation. You don't have to murder a servant to miss God's invitation. You only have to keep yourself preoccupied with things that have no eternal value. Right? Do you guys get that? You don't have to murder a servant to miss God's invitation. You only have to preoccupy yourself with things that have no eternal value. Right? The the servant's... They come to the, the group, the second invitation, and we read about the guys who, are, who murder the servants, and they completely miss out. But there's a whole group of other people that, that don't murder the servants. They just get busy with other things in their life. They're going to go to their farm. They're going to go to their business. They, they've got other commitments to make. Right? They, they completely miss the invitation as well. They're too busy with other things. Not that owning a farm and taking care of your, your, the things that God's entrusted you with is bad or going to work, that's not a bad thing either. But they preoccupy themselves and they miss the invitation that Jesus is extending to them because they got their lives filled with so many other things with no eternal value. And Jesus' heart, I want us to hear this, Jesus' heart for us in this, his, his Father's heart for us is that we would hear the invitation of the Lord and that we would be quick to respond to him. We would hear his voice and say, Jesus, whatever you are calling me to, whatever you are inviting me to, Jesus, yes, I'll go. I'll obey. I'll I'll hurry. When's When's the party? I'll be there. I'll come dressed in the right clothes that you provide for me. I'll do whatever it takes to be there, Jesus. I won't miss it. You've graciously invited me over and over and over again. You love me that much. You're that merciful that you would, you would send servant after servant after servant so, I could, so that I would respond. That is your heart for me. And yet they completely miss out on the invitation of the Lord because they are so preoccupied with everything else in their life. Sorry, I can't come, Jesus. I've got a farm to take care of. I've got a business to tend to. I've got responsibilities on my plate. And I think as I 
as I've been praying for us, has been praying for you this week, I feel like this is the greater temptation for us where we are at. The greater temptation for us as a church, as a people, in our season of life, and our responsibilities that we have as a church, I feel like number three is probably the very thing that we need to hear the most. If you get anything out of what I've said today, please hear the point number three. You don't have to murder a servant to miss God's invitation. You only have to preoccupy yourself with things that have no eternal value. And I think so often we think about people missing the invitation of God or people who in some ways give God the double middle finger and say, God, I'm going to go live like hell because I don't care what you say, and they miss out. But equally as well, I believe so oftentimes I'm just too busy. I'm often doing good things like work or caring for what God has entrusted with. Those are good things. and We need to do those things. You need to, we need to work. We need to take care of the things that God has entrusted us with. We need to tend to our families and, and all those things. Those are important things. But we can, we can substitute those things for God's invitation and miss out on what God's doing. So often we... We hear God's invitation to draw near, to abide in Him, to trust Him, and we say, God, I'll get to that. Just let me watch one more movie, one more show, one more drink, one more Facebook check, one more hit of the snooze button, one more swipe of the phone. Please hear, please hear the Father's heart for you this morning. He is inviting you to abide in Him. He is giving you an invitation to walk with Him, to know Him, to experience His mercy and His grace and His love. And He is calling you and I to trust Him and to respond with joy-filled, faith-filled obedience whatever that may be. I don't, know, I don't know what that is for you. What area of your life, what area of big portions of your life, maybe or small portions, that we think, God, I know you're calling me to this. I know there's, there's reconciliation with my, with my family or there's, there's judgment that I've given against my spouse or there's anger I have and resentment and bitterness at at my coworkers, or my mom and dad or whatever it may be that we have in our lives right now that God's calling us to say look I want mercy to triumph over judgment I want love to conquer indifference and we can hear that and think Lord I'll get to that eventually or it's too hard or I don't like it or God, I really, I'm sick of you telling me that. Or just there's an indifference that says, you know what, God? Yeah, I hear you. I agree with you. But let me just go do this thing first. I believe that is God's voice, his call for you and I this morning. Of everything I've said, I feel like that is God's heart for us. Respond to his gracious and loving invitation. He has promised us all the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. We sang that today. All the promises of God are yes and amen. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. 
He has promised to lavish us with an eternal love. He's promised us, he says, when I put you in my hand, there is nothing, there is no one that can snatch you out of my Father's hand. He's promised that the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That there's, a, there's an awareness of the glory of God and the purposes of God and the greatness of God and the, the presence of God that cannot be stopped or hindered or thwarted. I want to encourage us this morning. Where in your life have you been ignoring the invitation of the Lord to abide in Him, trust Him, love Him, commune with Him, fellowship with Him? Because God's extending, if you are here this morning, He is extending that invitation to you right now. Not later, not tomorrow. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. He's extending that to us right now. I'm going to pray as we close. And I want to invite, I want to invite you that you would simply ask the Lord, God, where have I been ignoring your call? You don't have to murder a servant to miss God's invitation. You just need to preoccupy yourself with everything else. And ask the Lord, God, where have I been preoccupied? So, Lord Jesus, God, we hear this morning, we hear your gracious and loving and merciful invitation to us right now. Jesus, thank you that your grace is available. That even as you gave this, this parable 2,000 years ago, Jesus, you are still inviting and still welcoming and still wooing us near to yourself again. You keep sweetening the deal. God, it's your heart that none would perish. So, Jesus, we come before you today, Lord, and we lay our lives before you, and we ask, Lord, where have I, where have I preoccupied myself? Where have I turned away from your invitation? Where have I heard your voice, and I've went the other way? So God, this morning, God, open our ears, I pray. Lord, I know your spirit is speaking right now. God, I pray that you would give us faith to obey, faith to respond, faith to delight in you, faith to hope in you, faith to find life in you, to abide in you, Jesus. God, that is our heart's desire. Lord, that is our heart's desire, Lord. Thank you for the invitation to fellowship with you, to be a part of the, the great wedding feast one day. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we pray, please speak. Bring conviction, bring repentance bring faith. We ask that you bring hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.